All right, hello again, everybody, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live, brought to you by Coors Light. As always, right here on Giants.com, I am Russ Salzberg, joined today by my colleague, two-time Super Bowl champion, David Deal, the lovely Mackenzie Ingram across the way at the controls, and you there, um, going to be picking up the phone and giving us a call at 201-939-4513. I just got out of the locker room, and you know what? You tell me as a former player, ain't nothing beats a win to get the monkey off your back, especially when you're feeling like you got to circle the wagons and everybody wants a piece. It's a whole, it's a whole different feeling to the week, isn't it? What do I always say? Vitamin W, oh. winning cures a lot of things. And it, it's a lot better sitting here with the outlook of, of one and two than sitting, obviously, 0 oh and 3 and all the pressure in the world on top of you. But... You have to give this team a lot of credit for the way that they handled themselves, the way that they were down 28-10 to 10 with their backs up against the wall, handling the adversity on the road, and making the adjustments necessary to get their first win, but more importantly, earn their first win of the season. Excuse me, uh, you got my iPad, my dear? Did they not send, set us up with the phones? Uh, what a jerk. Well, who's in charge? Here? I don't know. Either way, we'll be able to do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure we'll it out. We'll be able to figure it out, but just... Give them a, a hello and a goodbye. And in the meantime, again, trust me, folks, we'll be taking your phone calls, 201-939-4513. It's their show. The show's for them. Yes, it is. Uh, I saw you after the game yeah. on the postgame. And I, it's like how I felt at home. Just the feeling. Everybody was just fired up. You, you know, it, it's... You come in on a Monday morning and you know you're breathing easier. You did it as a player, so yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Without a doubt. I mean, it's it's great to go out there, win a game, and see all the hard work that you put in come to fruition in that game and in the outlook of it when you're sitting there victorious at the end. As that field goal goes wide right for them and, and you get to enjoy the moment and your week and, and enjoy this week because it gives you that outlook of hope and what to look forward to because that's what happened in that football game. Like I said, being down 28 to 10, the adjustments made on the offensive side of the ball to come out the gate swinging with the big Evan Ingram 75-yard touchdown to really change the momentum of that game, the defensive philosophy, you know, playing more zone to man, which obviously confused Jameis Winston a lot, getting three, three and uh, three uh, uh, punts in a row by the defensive side of the ball. What more can you ask for in a game where you were pretty much had everything go wrong in the first half. So I think it's a true sign of what this team is capable of doing when they collectively come together and play together in harmony, all sides and all phases, offense, defense, and special teams. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the special teams really have yes. been doing a hell of a job, you know, for the three games. Yeah. The special teams have been getting it done. But, you know, and, and rightfully so, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, Daniel, and he was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Rightfully so. He, he deserved all the glory from last week. However, I think a little bit lost in the shuffle uh, out in the public, there were a lot of improvements on other in other areas, yeah. in particular in the second half. You know, a kid who was getting roasted and toasted and, and picked on, DeAndre Baker. Played much better. Much, much better. Yes. You agree? I okay. agree. Much, much better. Another guy who I'm not saying he was getting roasted and toasted, but questions about him and who he is and, and what. Dexter Lawrence, well, you know, Dexter Lawrence had pressures. He had a sack. But nobody was talking about raising that big paw of his 
and, and blocking that deflection, extra point. Yeah. Well, if you don't block it, it's 32-32 at the it, end of regulation. Without a doubt. And, and not only that, but then also, think about Marcus Golden having two sacks Terrific. in this football game. And a reason why they were able to apply that pressure was because of the back end getting the job done in coverage. It allowed them that extra push to get those sacks and hits on the quarterback, which were cumulative in this game. Uh, how about uh, young Ryan Connolly? Oh, Ryan Connolly last week was my pick for somebody who had to play above the numbers. He did that. Those seven tackles, the way that he played, and his ability to step up. Not only I'm just talking about the interception. Everybody knows that. But he was the captain of the defense in the second half when Alec Ogletree went out. He's the one with the green dot on his helmet, guiding and directing in and out of the huddle, that defense. That says a lot about a young fifth-round rookie out of Wisconsin that it wasn't too much for him, and he was able to handle it. That's what I want to, to ask you. I don't think people realize, you know, you put that green sticker on your helmet. How, dif how difficult is that for anybody, let alone a, a green rookie? I mean, it's difficult because not only are you evaluating what's taking place in the game, but now you have to communicate the call from the sidelines, from what you hear in your helmet, in a timely fashion so that you can get lined up. We talked about alignment assignment. That's one of the biggest things. It's just getting everybody on the same page, which was obviously an issue in the first two games. But his ability to step up and handle that role and still play the way that he did says a lot about his future. And he's just like we said, he doesn't do anything glaring. It's not anything outside. He just knows how to find his way to the football, react, and be a sound player. Uh, look, I know you as a former player, there's no player worth his salt about anything that doesn't go into a game believing you can win. It's just where you are in the growth is one thing, but you still go in with that mentality. Yeah, that's your competitive ha nature. Yep. But having said that, I made the comment yesterday talking with uh, Paulie Dettino. You know, because callers were calling up and talking about, you know, W's and, and, and losses. And I said, you know, and everybody's euphoric over what we just saw last week. But I said, this season, we all, you all want to win, but this season can't be measured on W's. It has to be measured on the progress that is being made. Is that, as a player, you tell me. Obviously, the wins and losses have a big thing to do with it. You're not downplaying that at all. But you want to see what guys are rising up to the challenge that are adapting and adjusting to the different schemes that you're putting in either offensively and defensively and how we talked about it, how invaluable this experience is having these games under your belt as a young player, knowing what an NFL regular season feels like that we all know bodes well for them in their second year because they've gone through it. It happened to me. It happens to a lot of players. So the fact that they're getting this experience and played like they did on Sunday, but which they're going to need to continue to play, is competitive football through four quarters. That's the thing that's exciting about watching Daniel Jones and Baker take the next step, Conley playing the way that he did out of your young players. No question about it. And now we my, got the iPad. Yeah, we, we got the iPad. So we're going to open up the phone lines in just a moment. Again, the number to call is 201-939-4513. And again, got to remind everybody that Big Blue Kickoff Live here is brought to you by Coors Light. If you want to enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light, you got to text VIP to 90464 for more details. That's 90464. Just before we open up the lines. Yeah. Uh, to me, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I brought this up 
I, I just was interviewing Evan Ingram, and I brought it up, and, and he agreed with me. There's no question about Saquon Barkley being a big-time loss. Yes. We, we don't know how long he's going to be out, okay? It, it's a huge loss. But having said that, and Ingram's been talking, you know, I hear it from Sterling Shepard. Quite frankly, it's across the board in the locker room. Their attitude is, yeah, we miss him, but... It's like excuses are for losers. Next man up, let's go. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's the one tough thing about this sport is injuries do happen. And for Saquon Barkley, it is a tremendous loss for this Giants offense and for this football team. That's going without question saying that. You understand that he's the best player on the football team. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But when that does happen there is still a lot of football left to be played. And not only are you worried about Saquon and his health and your teammate, but also you need to continue to make the progress yourself and your football team does too, knowing that unfortunately he's not going to be there on Sunday. So now it's up to Wayne Gallman to step up and earn the right that he earned to be on this football team and now to be the starter at the running back position. But it also makes everybody else elevate their game as well. The quarterback the offensive line, the wide receivers. People don't have to do things outside of themselves, but they've got to play a little bit better this game across the board in order to overcome that. All right, 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's open up the phone lines with Marco in Connecticut. Hello, Marco. How we doing? Hey, guys. How are you? Good. What's going What's on? What's up, Marco? Uh, David Deal, once a giant, always a giant, man. Love everything you stood for as a giant. So Thank you very you. much. Much appreciated. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about the defense. Uh, you talked a little bit about it from Sunday. But specifically, uh, David, what, what did you see uh, the second-half adjustments? What were those second-half adjustments that were made? Because, you know, everyone kind of points to Mike Evans that his um, his – everything that he did in the first half was was reduced in the second. Was it protection that was shaded over his way? And then I'm also curious about a guy like Baker, who's had a couple of bad games, but he did great against Godwin. And I'm so excited now because I think, you know, if his confidence wasn't hit, for him to come back now against Washington, rookie on rookie against Terry McLaurin, I'm really excited about yeah. what he can do. Um yeah, just break down the defense for me. Is it something – and here's my question. Is it something that is sustainable game over game, or was it really just like an in-game adjustment that was made? I think the one thing that you saw more of in the second half than the first half was a lot more zone coverages, more cover two, keeping everything in front of you where it's not so much communication when you're playing man-to-man, when there's a lot of crossing routes, a deep, a lot of deep seams, and a lot of deep patterns. It's much easier when you have a zone defense to be able to communicate across the board and to be able to change in every once in a while. Man, that was the biggest adjustment that you saw in the second half, and that's one thing that we knew about Jameis Winston. He's good when he can play just pick-up football, and right. he's just looking and scanning around the field. It's a lot different when he's playing up against his own defense. One guy's showing one thing, dropping the other, and you're able to play keeping the football in front of you and basically saying you're not going to beat us over the top and that you're going to have to throw underneath or beat us by running the football. Simplifying it that way made the entire defense play that much faster and that much better in the second half. You know, I'm, I'm glad Marco brought up uh, DeAndre Baker. We had mentioned him earlier. You know, 
I he thought, was thrown into the fire early, and he, that's part of being a rookie. And and, and Pat Shermer had, had told, well, not just me, but he told a lot of us, the kid, when they drafted him, he's got a an edge to him. And at that position, yeah, you, you have to. You, you have to. He's, he's got that edge, and he showed me something because even after game one and game two, he wasn't hanging his head. He knew what was being said and, you know, fingers pointing this and that. He handled himself and, like a professional. He, he what didn't hide in the corner any place. No. And I'll tell you what, he had... He had a real good second half. Yes, he did. He had a real good second half. You could see him settle in, ease up, and play good, sound football. And think about it. You know, we were talking about the defense and all the different issues. The biggest play of the game was that Michael Thomas hit that he put on camera, camera break. I was just talking to Michael about it. That, that was the biggest play of the game. So when the time came about to make that key play, it came from that position. So those are the exciting things. And, and like Marco just asked us, these are the things that we're going to need to see for this defense to continue to make improvements moving forward because now you put it on film, film and you know you're capable of doing it as long as everybody's on the same page. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to Myrtle Beach and check in with Brian. Hello, Brian. You're on with Russ and David Deal. How's it going this afternoon, gentlemen? Good. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing very well. I'm glad you guys brought up and started talking about progress. Uh, it's amazing to see how on draft day everyone was screaming at Gettleman, number six, talking about Jones, issuing the fact that this guy had the best pro day ranked of any prospect. And then we heard all offseason it was just OTAs. Then we heard it was just practice as this kid was progressing. Then it was just the preseason. Now it's just one game. But the point is the hope, the inspiration. You know, the fact that the team was down 18, and they could have mailed it in 0-2 the way they've been performing. So, hey, you know what? This is just the way it is. We're not going anywhere. That didn't happen. You know, and I love Eli. Just so you guys know, I have his jerseys. I've been the biggest Eli fan since his draft day party. Uh, I have to say this much. I love him. Everything he's done. The New York Giants were 0-44 with Eli Manning as the starting quarterback in games they were trailing by 18 or more points. Now, what Daniel Jones just accomplished in his first game, as great as that is as a rookie, Think of the inspiration and the hope that that's going to inspire moving forward. It's no coincidence the defense started stepping up. You have a quarterback making plays, extending, doing things you haven't seen in a while. It doesn't just excite the fans. It doesn't just excite the owners. I mean, David, you're a player. The people on the bench, that's what you need. That fire, that spark, that's the hope. You know, that's he's the got you going, Brian. I think part of your problem is you're not enthusiastic enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, you, I you, will say this. Think about next. Everybody, you know, our defense, we're maligned. We're going to have another offseason of Dave Gettleman's draft. We're, we're fixing some of the Reese's pieces and mistakes we've had. Plus, we have $100 million plus in free agency yep. money. You we can go get that number one receiver. You can get a linebacker and a defensive progress end. Progress and hope. Baby. Progress and hope. You got it, Brian. Thank you very much for the call. Brian's just a little bit fired up. Good. He but, should be. No, l listen. There, there is what well, Look. The bandwagon is overflowing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's hysterical, though, when you think back to April, the, the night of the draft, when, when that pick was made, 
They were roasting and toasting Gettleman. What the hell were you and thinking Daniel about? Jones. And, and Daniel Jones. Who is this guy? The very same people were kissing his derriere by the time OTAs came around. Well, the, the thing that I like that, that Brian said is, is that everything Daniel Jones has done up until this point, he's checked all the boxes. Figure everything. the draft. Being able to hand the, handle the criticism. Being able to handle all the off-field stuff. To be able to handle, well, it's only practice. Well, it's only minicamp. Well, it's only preseason. Now you see him playing the game, and he checked off all the boxes of what you're looking for in a number one number one draft pick, let alone a six overall pick. Because of all the things that he said and what the Giants believed in him showed up in the football game. The accuracy, the toughness, the confidence in himself, his intelligence, and his ability to play inside and within himself and not let the moment be too big. To yeah. go five for five in the last drive with two minutes and your first two-minute drive of your career on the road and handle it that way and cap it off with a touchdown run, I mean, what, what more can you it, ask it, for it, out it, of him? Just and, and, and what impressed me, and I mentioned this yesterday when we were talking, if you watched, Dave, before the second half started, as they were getting ready to take the field. He was he's running a, up and down. He was on a side yeah. like a little kid uh, uh, hyped up on too much sugar or ice yeah. cream. He was fired up. He couldn't wait. He was chopping yeah. at the bit to And get then out after there. they scored, they're all, everybody's on the bench and they scanned again. He was going up to all the offensive linemen, get them going. Yeah. That's a sign of a young player that has the ability and is not scared to lead. And that's, a, and that's so awesome to see. And make no mistake about this, folks. Uh, everybody loves Eli. Everybody loves Eli. You've heard me say it time and again. Yeah. Nobody more so than this guy because he knows him two ways. He knows him from watching him, and he knows as being a, a teammate and blocking for him. And the, that's why we said even though last week was tough, sure it was. it's an exciting moment for the New York Giants and the future of this organization. Because this transition was going to come eventually. Dave Gettleman's legacy will be, did he leave this organization a franchise quarterback? As Bill Parcells used to say, let's not put young Daniel in Canton just yet. But if you ask me, he certainly has left him a franchise quarterback, barring, God forbid, injury. That's hands down the best rookie premier and starting game that we've seen out of a quarterback and within the last 10 years easily without question all right 201-939-4513 is the number let's go uh, to syracuse and check in with chris hello chris you're on with russ and dave how you guys doing good how you What's doing up, chris oh man exciting exciting so a couple of quick things um you know, for a little while there during the third, I think it was in the third quarter or the fourth quarter, I'm not sure. I just watched the game the one time. I haven't had time to go back and watch it. Um, they were getting a lot of pressure on yes. Jones. A couple times I thought he held the ball a little long, but there was a lot of times pocket was collapsing pretty quickly. And um, for the rest of the game, it seemed pretty good. So I was wondering, A, if you could give me just a little bit of your analysis on that, David, and then B, uh, as much as I'm in full-blown love with Daniel Jones, the one thing about him that makes me a little bit nervous is that he just doesn't seem to feel the rush all that well. And I'm not worried about him getting hurt outside the pocket. 
and it's impressive that he's got guys draped all over him. His eyes are locked in downfield, and, and he's not rattled at all. I think all that's great. But, but it did take some big what? hits. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, what and do you, it's, what do you think about that? You know, obviously that's something that the offensive line is going to adjust and obviously make the improvements, understanding what type of quarterback he is and what he's capable of when you do give him time. Because once again, looking at that game, when he had time, he was going through every single progression and knows and is smart enough where to go with the football and how to read the coverages when he had that time. Yes, you don't want those big hits and to have those fumbles like we saw in this past game. But the thing that you know that they'll be able to do moving forward, which you know that they'll have to without Saquon Barkley, is they're going to move the pocket a lot more. They're going to change the launch point with Daniel Jones, where they can have run zone schemes off of the inside, but then run bootlegs and nakeds off of them. So it, we always say, make it look and sound like run when you're going to play action. So I think once they start doing that, and once uh, Pat Shermer starts dialing in game plans that are more towards and tailored since it's after the first week for Daniel Jones, I think that's where you'll see a lot more of those plays come up in this game and moving forward against the Skins. Okay, let's go back to the phones. 201-939-4513 is the number. Okay, Chris, thank you, buddy. Uh, Let's check in with Joe in Pennsylvania. Hello, Joe. How are we doing today? Hey, wonderful. Like like you said, what a difference a win makes. You know what I mean? Vitamin W, winning cures all. Right, and... And I'm here in Eagle Country. I hear a lot of them, and with their one and two start and having to go to Green Bay uh, tomorrow night, you know what I mean? They're pointing fingers at one another and banged up, and the Redskins are coming in, and I guess they're going to be uh, do or die for them. They're going to put it, put it all out there. Not so, only for uh, them, but for their coach, too. Right. So, but you know what I mean? Um, I think we have a little extra skip in our step, you know. Uh, not a little, uh, Bob, excuse me, Joe, not a little. You got a whole lot of uh, extra getty up in the step. I mean, I would expect MetLife Stadium to be rocking absolutely with enthusiasm. First of all, you got a W. But, you know, the the whole thing with, with Daniel Jones and, and you're coming home. home. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I, I mean, I think the place is going to be absolutely ready to explode. Right. And, and all the rookies there that we drafted there, you know what I mean? They're adding a little something there. Uh, what's this thing on Latimer? I didn't hear anything. Is there a chance for him to play or no? Um, I haven't heard yet. Yeah, he was in last week. He it was, was still con- the, con- the concussion, concussion protocol. protocol. So, I mean, that's, that's something that we'll find out more this week yeah. and after today to see if he was able, like last week, we had a little bit more of a detailed, because at this time last week, we knew that Sterling Shepard was going through the jog through and going through some stuff until they passed him on Thursday. So that's one thing that we'll have to see moving forward here. But as of yet, they haven't announced anything. Uh, Just just since you bring it up, uh, Joe, uh, you know, keep you on, but uh, it was announced, uh, you know, today's injury list, Barkley obviously didn't play. Ty Davis. Uh, uh, Tay Davis, di- yeah. Tay Davis didn't um, – they didn't participate. Barkley, Davis with the concussion, Ogletree with the hamstring, and Russell Shepard with the foot. Uh, Coach Sherman mentioned on Monday, I think the foot might be a little more – I'm not saying it's – Precautious. Yeah, yeah, but a little more than they thought it might have been. And Lorenzo Carter uh, – L limited with an elbow and fallow with a hamstring. There you go. Well, well, hopefully whatever whoever we have in there can come through. Uh, I am one thing I guess I have to mention too. I was very upset when they let Paul Perkins go. You know, 
Uh, I, I almost thought that he almost, you know, he was down to the wire between him and Goldman to win the job there. So, but it, I, I, you have I, a lot I, of I'm players. Gonna, you can't keep everybody. I guess they're doing the best. No, thing you know, hindsight, hindsight is you know twenty twenty. Thank you for the call, Joe. You, you, listen, if they would have known that this was going to happen to Barkley, chances are he'd still be a, 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 a New York Giant instead of a Detroit Lion, but. That's the way it is. I will disagree with Joe on that. And listen, big fan of, of Paul Perkins. The guy was here by his lonesome last year. Best ability out. is availability, though. Or the injury no. bug, that's where you're going. That, and and that's exactly so, right. I had high expectations uh, with him coming in as well. But, you know, when you're, you're the running back, whether you're the second or third string running back, they have to be dependable on you to be able to be physically ready for a 16-week season. And throughout the preseason, granted, it was back and forth between him and Gallman, but I think that he did have a couple more mental errors than Gallman had. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Yeah. All right, back to the lines we go. Bob in, uh, in New Jersey. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Okay, how are you guys? Good. What's up, Bobby? Um. Uh, Dave, thank you for the Super Bowls that you were participated in. I really appreciate it. I've been a Giant Giant fan for uh, 50 years. Awesome. Thanks, Bob. Caller. I'm a first-time caller. Um, my, my concern is the defense. Um, we've given up a lot of points in three games. Yeah. And uh, the I was at the Buffalo game in the stands, and I'll tell you the truth. I never saw a receiver so wide open in my whole life as what I saw on the Giant defense. And um, I'm sorry to be negative about it, but well, well, um, Bob, it's you're not being it's, realistic. It's not. It's, be, okay. it's not being negative. But listen, that that was no secret. We were talking about that every. That was the talk for two and a half games, and, quite frankly. And, and then it tightened up this second half of this last game. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, granted, there was still uh, the the big play, obviously, to Evans that could have cost the game, but it didn't with the missed uh, field goal. But that is something that it was at least a bright sign that the defense could make the adjustments and play a heck of a lot better than they did in the first half of the game and in the first two games. Now they need to use that momentum and the success that they had and what was working, what wasn't working for them, and implement it and get better moving forward. Like we said, it's not going to happen overnight that all of a sudden it's just going to be a lights-out defense. But as long as we continue to see the progress, especially this week after we saw what they were capable of doing when all on the same page, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, You know, David brought it up uh, earlier the, 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 you're talking about a, the great play that um, Michael Thomas made. Yeah. Okay. What was the criticism for the last couple of years about the defense? You, they couldn't make a stop when they needed to make a stop. You know, at the, end of last, at the end of last season, Bob, you were talking about the offense was scoring points. They did, defense couldn't make a stop. And, and this and, was one of the ones the Tampa Bay game where they gave up the field goal at the end to lose it. Right. And this... As soon as Michael Thomas made that stop, I said, maybe the tide is turning. Maybe things yeah, are changing so. because that was the play. I that mean, without that play, play, we're not here talking about yeah. a victory. So, you know, you guys know more than me. I meant I that for sure. But the last two games, you're right. The first halves have been terrible. The second half, the defense tightens up. So I just wanted to know what, what makes that happen exactly. Well, I think the adjustments that they made in-game at halftime and then the second half, going more to zone demand and adjusting to the way that they were trying to play, which caused confusion for Jameis Winston. And that's why I said this week is a big week because, number one, we saw it on film and they'll see it on film. 
what they're capable of doing when everybody plays together and does their job and doesn't do too much outside of themselves and overthink something. And two, starting fast. They need to start fast in this game because they always say when you have an opportunity at home to start fast with a team that's coming off of a tough loss like they just had on a short week on Monday Night Football, you create that little bit of doubt in their brain. Yeah, and I think you would agree, Dave. I don't think it's so much X and O scientific about why there were struggles or even in the first half and better in the second half. You're talking about a young defense. Yeah. And correcting certain things and making certain adjustments. Yeah, and we were talking about this as well. Think about due to the injuries and everything that took place, they didn't play together a lot during the preseason because they had guys interchangeable and coming in and out. And when they don't do that, you don't get to have that cohesiveness that now that they should have through three games, especially when they already had their backs against the wall and they came out swinging. All right, uh, let's 201-939-4513 is the number. We've got our trusty new uh, uh, old iPad back. Is it Neil or Nail in New York? It's Neil, like Neil Armstrong. Got Neil it. Armstrong, all right. It's the first time okay. I've seen the, the, the Neil. What's going on, Neil? How are we doing today? Well, I'm, I'm doing as good as you guys this week. You know, I'm very happy. Um, uh, I wanted to call on Monday. Couldn't get through just to comment on the overall very good play by all the rookies I saw, you know. Um, but what I really want to talk about is I believe in Wayne Gallman. I watched a lot of SEC football. This guy is a very – he's no Saquon Barkley, but he's a real competent running back with every – I don't know what he doesn't have. He can catch the ball. He's tough. He's gritty. He's fast. He picks up the blocking assignments that I see. So I'm – I'm ex- excited to see Wayne, you know, really get some uh, touches this week. Yeah. Uh, I, I, listen, I think, Neil, you, you're bringing out a good point. He is a capable guy, on top of which he happens to be an easy guy to root for. I think the peop- what people have to understand, and it happens all the time, he's not Saquon. Don't expect him to be Saquon. Nor does he have to be Saquon. If, if he is Wayne Gallman... I think the Giant fans will be pleased. I, I, I think he'll be productive. If he worries about being somebody else, that's where it bites you on the keister. And I think he's made tremendous improvements throughout his first part of his career, not only just running the football with lower pad leverage, protecting the football and not taking those big hits, but he has completely changed his game and his ability to pick up blitzes and the blitz packages and really do the pass protection you need to when you need to be a third down back or the backup on a football team. And you hit the, said it perfectly. He doesn't have to go out and be Saquon Barkley. Be the best Wayne Gallman and be consistent throughout this entire game and get those gritty extra one to two yards without uh, without giving the, the laps of ball security because this defense for the Redskins are last in the NFL on third down. Last. So if you're in third and six belows on third down, it gives you multiple options because of Daniel Jones's legs, and that's all you want to do to set up for success up against this team. You know, you bring up a good point where we were talking about he's all he has to do is be himself. He can't worry yeah. about being somebody else. As a former player, 
Did you see a lot of that where a guy comes in and he tries to be somebody else and it ends up by it could be at any position. I, I think it's more I, I think it's more at, at the either defensive end or wide receiver positions. It's a glamour because it's a glamour position, position, position instead of uh instead of a running back. I think because with especially with defensive ends, you know, yeah, it's great that you got after the quarterback a little bit, but if you don't get the production on the sack and we're running you across the edge and you're not getting it's not doing your team any good. And a lot of times what that does, it opens up rush lanes on the inside and doesn't maintain gap discipline or lane discipline where you can escape and get outside that rush or a wide receiver. Do what you did to get into that position, not try to be the person in front of you. There's certain people that can get by with your pure athleticism. If you got there by being a precise and sound route runner, don't change that. 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go to your old neck of the woods, buddy, Chicago, and check in with Mark. Hello, right. Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing? It's a great week this week. It yes, sure it is. is, Mark. How's everything going? It's going great. And I have to say, I was at the game on Sunday. I'm still in Florida. I have to put that victory up there with a couple of other big sporting events I was at. And, Russ, you can probably associate with this better uh, Chris Chambliss hitting that home run back uh, in 76. And I, Thurman Munson I was there. hitting that home run yep. in 78. In terms of games that I've been at, it was uh, as exciting a sporting event as I've ever been to. Uh, listen, I I view it as I watched it at home, and I, I'll tell you what, my wife was hearing me in, in the den, and yeah. I'm like talking to myself, first of all, when the big um, catch was made by um, Evans at yep. the end. Uh, you, you know, ups and downs, but it was an exciting, it would have been exciting with anybody if Eli was leading yeah. the comeback, but this was right. the kid, it was coming on the heels of all the talk with during the mm -hmm. week and all the change and all the emotion, and it, hey, it happened. And the one thing that we yeah. always used to say is because people were questioning, oh, it's got to be tough going to Tampa Bay on the road. There's so many Giants fans in Tampa. You could hear it on the live broadcast, all the Giants fans being loud that game, cheering for the Giants. We always used to joke around, is this where they send all the witness protection people that are all Giants fans out here to Tampa? Because it becomes a home game as long as you have that success. So I'm sure it was a great atmosphere, Mark. It was. It was, it was probably 50-50, and my voice is still hoarse. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to get to a point that you just brought up a couple minutes ago, Dave, about starting fast. Yeah. I think this is the third week in a row that we have won the coin toss and deferred. And when we did that, I'm thinking to myself, why are we doing that? Because the last two weeks, I believe we deferred, and we gave up scores, and coming out of the box, we're down 7 to nothing. And I understand what ultimately the strategy is yeah, to get the ball back. Say, yeah at the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third. But when your defense is like a sieve, why, why is Shermer making those decisions? And I do have a penalty question for you, too. Okay. You know, obviously, you know, in regards, you hit the nail on the head with strategy, you know, starting the ball in the second half, getting rolling that way. You know, there's always that, that, that gamesmanship part of it to it. But right. for me as an offensive player, I used to always want to take the ball because I want to get that first hit out of the way and mm -hmm. I want to set the tempo for this game based upon mm -hmm. us as an offense, not based upon what the other offense does. So I could agree right. with you there, but, you know, obviously moving forward, that's yeah. something that they can adjust now, you know, with knowing the way that Daniel Jones played in his first start, mm -hmm. instead of getting it right away, now playing at home, building off the momentum of this mm -hmm. home crowd and this home team. 
This is one that I could see them taking the ball in the first half. Now, you, right. But, you, you so, know, Mark, uh, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. but the way it worked out, that was the spark. You know, they come out in a second, the first play from scrimmage. He hits Evan Ingram, a 75-yard catch and run. He's fired up. Ingram is on the mm-hmm. bench. And I'm sure that, and I'm sure that you were there. You could feel the deflation of the momentum oh, yeah. at that moment oh, immediately. Yeah, without and plus right. on top of it, they make the two point conversion. Right. The place was sky high. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just look at it from the standpoint of maybe we had taken the kickoff and used up time at the front end. They may not have had the opportunity to have those two scores in the last two minutes of the second quarter. Yep, which ended up doing giving them the ten point lead. But I have, I have a question. I've had a chance to look at the replay yet. And I'm in the stadium, and I'm looking at that challenge that Shermer made about the offensive pass interference. It was pass interference. It was pass interference. And I see a guy grab him by the neck. I see him grab him with the right arm, and he goes down. And I'm like, how the hell is that? Excuse me. How the heck is that not offensive pass interference? Yeah. No, you, listen, you're, you're, Mark, you're spot on. And that's one that they're going to send in and they're going to get a letter back this week saying from the NFL, we got it wrong. That's the one issue that right now is still lingering about this new pass interference rule. There's no consistency amongst any I of I can't stand I can't, it. Thank you. And thanks for the call, Mark. I, I There's can't no consistency it. and nobody knows what the real rule is anymore. You know what this was? You Well, you do know this what it was. This was a brash decision over one play. A knee-jerk reaction yep. to the Rams and, yeah. and New Orleans Saints. Okay, things happen. But now... First of all, everything is going to be nickel and dimed. And, you know, what? when it's just, to me, I think the whole thing is ridiculous. I see, well, let me throw a flag. Let me try and get pass interference. I just, I think it's awful. It's. I feel the same thing about a lot of replays. How about the pass interference they threw that was completely on the other side of where the ball was thrown and the ball was already out of its hands and they still threw it? No, It had nothing to do with the impact of the play. I I can't stand the rule. I don't think it's good. And David said it was a brash, knee-jerk reaction. And I listen, I on get it. On a play it. that they shouldn't have gotten wrong. Yeah, but they did. But they and, did, and, you and have now to we have on. to do this, and it's a nightmare. That's it. And, 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 you know, for all the people who, you know, because I've gotten to arguments about that going back to the Rams-Saints uh, playoff game last year. Yeah, but, Russ, it wasn't your team. I go, yeah, you know what? You're right. It wasn't my team. But here's the but. Even if it was pass interference, go go ask Bill Parcells and go ask Tony Romo about yeah. muffin an extra point. Let alone nothing is a go ask go ask um, Bruce Arians yeah. this week about a chip shot field goal. It doesn't work that way. On top of which, in that game, Saints got the ball first. Saints in uh, overtime, and what did he do? The great Drew Brees, who's a Hall of Famer yeah. first time, threw an interception. How about when they underthrew Ted Ginn Jr.? Yeah. Nobody wants to bring up the points that the, the, where they failed. They want to take out the things that they can control and point a narrative at. Exactly. Granted, it was blatant, no, it but was, it was only one play in that entire game. So now we're going to change all the rules. We're going to change everything, the way the games are played, because of one screw-up. I, I just think, I think that's... Listen, it could work for the Giants. It could work against them. I still don't like it. No. I'm sorry. Just don't like it. 201 
939-4513. Again, got to remind everybody, Big Blue Kickoff Live here brought to you by Coors Light. If you want to enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light, all you got to do is text VIP to 90464. That's VIP to 90464 for more details. I said it, it excludes us. That stinks. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that, you know, that sounds like a great package. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Let's go. Uh, Jeff in Huntington. Jeff, how are we doing today? Hey, thank you. Uh, hi, guys. Um, I, I, I love the way the team is moving forward, and um, and I think it was the time was right for the change to be made. I've always been an Eli supporter, but I'm questioning now uh, Eli on the sideline and his his approach to the to the team. Because right now, as you've seen, the playbook has taken advantage, uh, utilized uh, Daniel Jones's talents and, and skill his athleticism, without a doubt. Right. And Eli is there and. I'm not trying to read into anybody's mind, let alone Eli's mind, but he's, could he be saying to himself, there are some things that are being done on the field right now that I'm not sure I can do that and, and, and equal that type of uh, skill set. Yeah, um, I'm sure he you, is. You think that Eli's sitting there he's, thinking he's, I could run the read option for a touchdown? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, no. he understands the difference between the, the physical makeup and what type of quarterback that him and Daniel Jones are. Another thing is, is that you saw Eli was the first one to congratulate Daniel Jones when he came off the field. Secondly, you saw constant dialogue between Eli Manning and Daniel Jones going through the tablet together. You talked about it last week, right after the announcement was made. Uh, I, like I, clockwork. I, 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 in Daniel I Jones and Eli anything, Manning. And I, and, and I am totally 110% on board with how Eli has approached uh, his uh, being uh, taken off the yeah. field. And uh, and that's agreeable. What happens, though, if for whatever reason Daniel Jones has to come off the field and Eli has to come in? Yeah. Then and, it's uh, the same and adjustment that he made. Are we reverting back to the, the, the game plans that Eli is comfortable with? Well, I think uh, you answered the yeah, question yourself. I, I you mean, have to. Jeff, you're talking about a guy. <laughs> thank you for the call. But you, you're you, talking about well, – you, you But you said it. He has a different set of skill sets he, to where he's running the zone read – and read option and different uh, uh, run past RPOs off of it and stuff. We know that's not Eli Manning's You're not going to have him rolling out or, yeah. or on an, uh, a quarterback keeper. Like, come on. You think if Eli fakes a read option, that defensive end is like, oh, I'm not going to – I'm not going to go out here because he's going to beat me with his legs. No, that's not his game, nor has it ever been. But that was the exciting thing that you and I and everybody talked about with now moving forward with Daniel Jones in this offense because schematically his athleticism gives you more options to do things. Well, let's face it, watching this game up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there was things that Daniel Jones did that physically Eli Manning wouldn't have been able to do in the game. There's nothing wrong with saying that because that's why they drafted him. I, I have to tell you something, and I'm glad you brought it up, the fist bumping and oh, he was yeah. talking with him. To me, it was mind-boggling. On a conference call on Monday. I they, can't they, wait to hear this question. On a conference asked. call on Monday, this the same question was asked. It was asked to... Um, to Coach Shermer, and it was also asked to Evan Ingram. Okay. The question was, Coach, what was Eli's demeanor on the sideline? And I'm saying to myself, what was Eli's demeanor? You saw it. I, I mean, here I am. <laughs> I'm coaching the game. 
So I'm looking ahead what's on the field. I, and maybe, I don't know, maybe Eli was behind me scratching his butt. I don't, what do you mean what his demeanor was? And they asked the same question on the conference call to, and this is the media. They asked the same question to Evan Ingram. I'm playing the game. Yeah. I, I mean, really. It, 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 it's gotten to the point of when ridiculous. I, when I was, oh regardless of whether it would be Eli or not, when I was in the middle of the game, I'm coming off to the bench. I'm not sitting here. Well, my backup's not showing the right physical body language right now. <laughs> no, you're not even thinking about that. But we all saw it, and we knew exactly what was going to happen with their relationship because of this. It did nothing. It only makes Eli now help him out even more so than he was doing before. But it's the same exact relationship that they've had throughout this entire time. Yeah. We talked about it last week. The minute after the announcement was made, you're in the cafeteria. In the cafeteria. Who comes walking in talking about two, coverages? Two, two guys. Two guys come walking in by their lonesome. Two guys. Daniel Jones and Eli. They go online. They they come in. They go get something to eat. They go get something to drink. And then they, they go, go back down. into the film. I, I mean, you're talking about they know each other for a long time. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones has idolized Eli. That's, I mean, he's 22 years old, for in crying out loud. figure in college under David Cutcliffe, yes. he was watching cut-ups of Eli Manning throughout his career in the pros because it's the same offense, the same system. So there's that mutual respect, and there's that almost handing, uh, passing of the torch for Eli to Daniel Jones. That's exactly what it is. Not, yeah. You're right. Not almost. It yeah. is. That's the torch has been passed. Let's go out to Long Island and check in with John. Hello, John. You're on with Russ and David. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call, and it's really an honor to talk to uh, you guys and my Super Bowl champ over there. <laughs> Thanks, John. Uh, two up? times. Two times uh, Super Bowl uh, champ. Uh, two times, absolutely. Uh, I just have one thing to say about Eli, and it's not an excuse. It's, it's nothing, you know, against anybody. John, just Eli come out with it. Eli was plugged into a system he didn't belong. He really didn't belong in that run-shoot type, you know, quick passes and run around. So I'm not taking anything away from Eli. I love him. He's great. I'm so excited to see Daniel Jones. I had called in to, to Paulie Dotson after the, the preseason and said, I've never seen a quarterback do that. And he kind of put me down. And I, I, don't, I don't care. But I'm so excited. I'm over the moon. In 1955, I started rooting for the Giants. And I've never seen a quarterback start like this. Well, well, John, think about it. When have you ever been able to sit here and think that your quarterback for the New York Giants can run the read option effectively? Yeah. Oh, you know, you know, just that added dimension is something that we haven't had. Other than I mean, maybe, going back, uh, going back to 16 years before I even got here, because Kerry Collins was my first quarterback. No, uh, yeah. other than listen, you're you're a longtime fan. Other than um, scrambling, Fran Tark, Fran Tark yeah, who, who was going to do there's, it? There has been nobody else, so this is an exciting time. And like as you were saying earlier, there's nothing wrong with you saying that, just like Pat Shermer said. Daniel Jones fits this system better because of his athletic ability and his ability to break outside the pocket. So that was one younger. of the reasons of why it was done. So there's no bashing on that. There's a two different set of skill sets. And now with this moving forward, we know that more of Daniel Jones runs at a tempered pace because you don't want him taking the shots all the time and getting hit and using his legs too much because you're worried about durability. But, yeah, if you can keep a defense honest, especially on the backside by running those read options and those zone reads, all it takes is that split second 
for them not to react and for them to hesitate and think. And now you're dropping balls in the passing game over their head. You, you know, yeah. uh, John, I had asked Pat Shermer last week because I, I speak to him every week for, you know, our Giants pregame show. And uh, I had asked him if the move was made for this particular week, for this particular game for Tampa, just because of the team that they were playing. And the amount of blitzes. Yeah, and he said... Not necessarily so, but, you know, when you think about it, if that would have been in a reason, I would have saying for two for two reasons it might have been a good reason. One, because of the blitz packages. Yeah. And number two, sometimes it's better to start the kid as somebody on the road, not in front of the home, home crowd. crowd. And now he's coming home with the euphoric atmosphere yeah. from the home but crowd. But like I said, even, even going to Tampa, that's not a hostile crowd because half of it's Giants right. fans. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much, John. Uh, one more thing. Go ahead, John. Go one more. I'm, got it, it. I'm, I'm over the moon, and I'm so happy for you guys because I can hear the excitement in you. Sure, And yeah. I know you can hear it in me. God bless. Have a nice God day. God bless, right, John. Thanks for the Thank call. You. No, right. it is. It's an exciting time. You know, this is what we talked about. The Giants needed a spark. They needed something to change the landscape and the dynamic of the football team. And you saw it based upon the way that Daniel Jones has been able to provide that. I, I mean, you know, I just thought of something. Uh, you're talking about um, John just called he's a fan since 55. Like a guy like Daniel Jones and, and a lot of young Giant fans, they haven't known anything no. other than Eli Manning. Yeah. D Daniel J Eli Manning became the quarterback of the Giants when Daniel Jones was six. Yes. So you think about that. Yeah. I mean, they ha you have not known anything else. So for a lot of people, this is like... It's a figure, it's 16 years. Yeah, well, or, you know, go back a few years when Derek Jeter was... Yeah. They didn't know anything other than Derek Jeter. Yeah. Young Yankee fans. Yeah. You'd think about it, so it really is, it's, it's a big deal. And, and, and again, it's, it's a big deal because you're, you're not just stepping in for anybody, you're stepping in for, you know, a future Hall of Famer. Now, 201-939-4513 is the number. Let's go down to Virginia and check in with Jesse. Hello, Jesse. Uh, how are y'all? Good. How I'm you good. doing? What's up, Jesse? Um, one thing I want to touch on, this actually just came up, listening to Russ talk just now, um, about young Giants fans. I started watching the Giants when I was five. So How old, I, how old are you now? Is Eli Manning. Je Jesse, how old are you now? Uh, 22. Okay, See, there you, you go. Do, yeah. you, you fit right in. Um, I was skeptical about the pick of Daniel Jones. Obviously, watching him proved some of my uh, skepticism wrong, watching him Sunday. Um, one thing I would like to ask about is may, I feel like sometimes it, um, it's like he has pocket obliviousness. It was like sometimes he didn't even realize there was defenders in the backfield. Well, I think that's something. That it's, I think it's more awareness and, and timing uh, of where he's got to get rid of the ball quicker because of how much faster – you know, the rush bears down on you. Granted, he'll be able to pick that up. That's something that he learns. This is his first game, realizing that this isn't the college, this is the pros now, and that they get to you quicker, and that time to release the football is that much faster. So I think that's definitely something that he's going to improve on and know that that clock's going to go off in his, in his head. But the thing that you love about him is, even though that happened, what was the one thing he didn't do? He didn't see the rush. 
He got hit, and he wasn't looking around for it. What did he do? He kept his eyes downfield. A lot of times, a young rookie quarterback that'll take a hit like that, the minute that he feels pressure, regardless of whether he can or not, what's he doing? He's taking off and running with yeah. the football. No, he He's was, not he, sitting down back there going through his progressions like he did and keeping his eyes downfield. That's a sign of a tough kid. Jesse, he wasn't skittish at all. No. no none whatsoever. I, I mean, I, I've... Not, what really surprised, I should say it surprised me, it amazed me. He, Dave, he took some big hits. And he bounced right back I mean, up. I mean, yeah. I'm not yeah. talking about baby hits. I'm the, talking about Shaq, where, like, what? Sh Shaq Barrett oh spun inside, and he got hit in the back. I mean, you saw his the, full, the full body extension, and he bounced right back yeah. up from it without a single flinch or hesitation. That's a tough kid. Yeah, no. Uh, right yeah. I guess my concern would be with not seeing the defender's potential injury from, and, you know, obviously I've never played and that's part on the offensive in the NFL. Line, I didn't know if that was a learned trait or something you either had or you didn't. No, they, that's something that you practice on and learn. And like I said, figure this is his first game playing. The speed, the tempo of the game, how quick things happen, he's learned already from this one, and he'll learn moving forward. That's the whole thing. Nobody said it was going to be perfect. But to sit here and watch the way that he played this first game, granted, like we said, getting rid of the ball quicker, you know, make sure not looking, but feeling the rush so that he can anticipate things. Think about the other things. Granted, he threw the one ball at the end of the second quarter that was a dropped interception. Yes. You didn't see him take another risk like that throughout the rest of the game because he tempered down from that. And the other area that he'll need to make sure is protecting the football with two hands. These are all things that he will improve on as the season moves forward. But even looking at those things, the way that he carried and handled himself on Sunday, it's absolutely phenomenal. That's exactly what uh, Coach Irma said, you know, in his uh, when he met with us today uh, in his press conference about, you know, yeah, the things you practice, you know, two-hand, you know, protecting the ball and what. But he was also asked, and, and I really liked uh, Coach Irma's response. He was asked, well, can a game like that, help um, Daniel Jones' confidence. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And Pat just kind of looked, though, and said, let me tell you something. If you've been around Daniel Jones, there's never a confidence problem. The, no. people, the people who know Daniel Jones in that locker room, they just say he's got it. He's got an it factor. He, he's got that it factor. And th there's certain things you, you can teach a lot of things. To me, you can't teach toughness, and you can't teach confidence. You and, can build confidence, but you just can't teach And it. he's got moxie to him. We all said, don't let that, that shaggy southern haircut and that little smirk fool you. He's a competitor, and he wants to win. And we heard that come out with him for the first time swearing in the huddle that they were going to win the game. I was just going to say. That's the well, type of attitude that we've seen him have here at practice. Now people are just seeing it live out on the game field. You know, all his teammates said he's a fiery guy. He's made of of substance. But yeah, they they were they were laughing about it. Yeah. Whoa, where'd these f bombs yeah, come don't, from? Don't <laughs> don't let that that shyness. No, fool. he is a he's a football player. Well, well, hear what you just said. Yeah. Don't let that shyness or quietness fool you. Who does he sound like? Yeah. Eli? Yeah, yeah. Sounds like Eli? Yeah, I never heard Eli drop a F-bomb like that. I, <laughs> every once in a while you will, but not a, not at the end of a huddle like that. No, no but, but still, the, everybody's got to be themselves, and obviously he, he has no problem with being comfortable with who he is because we saw those leadership skills come out in this game. 
Like we were saying, the ability to go up and down the sidelines, be fired up for it, to be able to go into the last part of the huddle when you're going down on the game drive saying you're going to win the game. That's the sign of a player that is confident, prepared, and has no qualms about being himself and being a leader. Let me ask People you. People believe that because they know it's not fake. Being, being the former two-time Super Bowl champion offensive lineman. Yeah. If a young guy comes like that, just what Daniel Jones did, going to some veteran guys it's on infectious. the line. It, it, it doesn't I'll, matter. I'll never you'll, forget. You'll listen to a Prime rookie. example, which you'll hear guys still talk about it, fourth quarter at Buffalo. Ahmad Bradshaw, as a rookie, comes in the first play and says, you blocked this up. I'm taking this SH, you know what, to the house. Sure enough, we blocked it up. He backed it up. He ran it all the way down on 36 power for a touchdown to have, I mean, you could see the goosebumps on me because I can take myself back to that moment. When you have a young player that has that confidence and has that belief in himself, that's it's infectious. That energy is contagious. And when you have a quarterback that's doing it, we said, look at the impact it had on the defense, that you have a quarterback that's going out there that's balling out and you're backing him up by your play. It says a lot about where they're at right now as a football team coming together. You know, Muhammad Ali used to say, and I'm, I'm not going to say that Daniel Jones has Muhammad Ali's personality. but It's not bragging if you can back it up. Amen. Yeah. That's exactly It yeah. ain't bragging if you can do it. Yeah. That's exactly what uh, Ali used to say, and there's a lot of truth to that. Now, he's not bragging, but he goes out there with confidence, and, you, you know, the least people surprised are people in that locker room. Now, uh, and his coaching staff. Now, I I would say they didn't expect any, you're not going to expect any rookie quarterback to have that fine a performance. Yeah, four touchdowns, 300 yeah. yards. And, yeah. and, and yeah. after being down 28 yeah. to 10. But it just, everybody seemed to thrive off it. And, and no, I'll tell you this also, at 28 10, I'm sitting home watching this and I'm like, I'm saying, oh, no, here we go go again. But I will say this. I didn't sense that the guys were, like, just hanging their heads. No, no, no. Even at 28-10 when they walked off the field. They were still fighting them. You knew that. But you're sitting there. That's a big obstacle and a task to overcome without a Saquon Barkley. That's what I was thinking to myself. Uh, Think about that, folks. To me, it's almost as if. And you can't minimize the absence of Saquon Barkley, no. but there was nothing. Okay, let's. And I, I say this all the time, fans, and I, I really believe the media is guilty of it as well. They don't understand athletes in in within the locker room. If somebody gets hurt, we said this earlier, it's next man up, and for a couple of reasons. That's what professional athletes do for a living. And the other thing is, you know, if a guy's getting his chance. Oh, I'm going to get a chance to make me some maybe more money. It's my opportunity to shine. They they don't like oh woe is me. How are we going to get this done? You can't you can't live always, like that. I always say opportunities are never lost. Someone will take the ones that you miss because if you don't capitalize on that one opportunity, that one chance you get, whether it's in life or in sports, somebody's sitting there hanging on your coattails, waiting because they've been hungry. They've just wanted that one opportunity to taste it, and they'll never give it back. So always be prepared when your moment comes because you never know if you're going to catch it again. No, it's yeah. That's the nature of being a professional athlete, and I think a lot of people just don't realize that someone's always knocking at the door. 
you know, somebody is oh, now it, it's easier to replace certain players as opposed to other players. And uh, believe me, it ain't easy replacing an Eli Manning when you look at that uh, record book. But it is what it is. Everybody, though, eventually gets replaced. Yep. It's just the nature of what is going on. You know, just, hey, let me tell you. Fun day, my friend. Absolutely. It, 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 great it, it, day. It, it, see what winning seals? Oh, let, let me tell you. W winning solves a, what do you call it? Vitamin, Vitamin w. w. It cures everything. You know, well, I'm, I'm expecting... I'm expecting another shot of vitamin W this Sunday. And uh, I'm expecting an awesome crowd yeah. at Giant Stadium. I refuse to call it the other one. It's still Giant Stadium to me. <laughs> this Sunday up against the division rival Redskins. This is going to be a great one. I agree with you. Anyway, folks, that is a wrap on uh, Big Blue Kickoff here on Giants.com. Brought to you by Coors Light. As always, we want to thank you for being part of it. want to thank the lovely lady across the way, Mackenzie Ingram, taking such good care of us at the controls and taking your phone calls. My big big man here, David Deal and I am Russ Salzberg saying to all of you, have a great week and make sure you're cheering your head off this coming Sunday out at Giant Stadium.